chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, the centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. And on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he came, and he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And he saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, call, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. That's where we'll stop reading right there at the 16th verse. And that's more than we normally read. But I wanted you to kind of get the, the context of the verse that we're preaching from this morning. And, uh, you know, we're living in a day where uh, kids aren't always raised in church anymore. And they don't always know the Bible story. So if you've never heard about Cornelius, I'm going to preach to you about him today. And uh, so if we had a, a thought or a text or something of that nature... It'd be an uncommon Christian. And <clears throat> the world tells me and you we're to conform. We're to be like them, that we're to dress like them, we're to act like them, we're to talk like them, but not so of an uncommon Christian. And if we listen to the world today and we listen to what we see on our TV and at the movie theater and different places... It'll drag us right down into a pit of despair that we'll never get out of. But we need to be uncommon in this day and age. We need to be somebody that's not popular necessary, but that's thought well of, that's loved well, that's, that's treated, treated everybody else with love and kindness. And so to be an uncommon Christian. And so let's take a look at Cornelius and see what kind of Christian that he was. Now, he was one that wasn't accepted, was he? During this time, Cornelius couldn't even get into the church doors. Did you know that? He couldn't even get in. 
It was the Jewish tradition and the Jewish temple. And Cornelius couldn't even have got into the temple, but he loved the Lord anyway. And he, went, he did the things he was supposed to do anyway. So verse 2 in chapter 10 says this about Cornelius. He was a devout man. He was one that was a Christian on a Tuesday. Whenever church wasn't going on, and whenever he was, had to work, whenever he had to be surrounded by his neighbors, by his family, by his friends, when he had to deal with problems, he was a Christian on a Tuesday. He was, he was one that, when the, that whenever he had the opportunity to serve the Lord, he never passed it by. He was a devout man. And we need devout people. Did you know, we look around today, you want to know why our churches are in the shape that they're in today? Because we've got fewer and fewer and fewer devout people. We've got fewer and fewer and fewer devout folks that are there when the church doors are open. We've got fewer and fewer and fewer devout folks that take the time to do the things they need to do to worship the Lord. Now, preacher, I go to church all the time. Well, that's not necessarily being devout. This is what the Bible says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. If I know that it's good for me to pray, I need to pray. If I know that Chuck needs help, it's up to me to be helped to him in his time of need because that's what Christians do. That's what uncommon Christians do. Uh, we've got enough of this, me and mine, and no more. Our world needs help, and it's up to us to help them. All right, an uncommon Christian. Cornelius was devout. He was so devout that people recognize it. He was so devout, and we read on down in this chapter that people had a good, he had a good reputation among the people because of the way that he lived. How do you live when we walk outside those doors? How do I live when we walk outside those doors? Are we devout? Are we passionate? Are we, are we fully, fully persuaded that we're going to be a Christian no matter what comes along life's way? And let me tell you something. The very second that you determine in your heart that you're going to do all you can for God, Satan's going to pass by. Did you know that? He's going to tempt you. He's going to tempt this flesh. It might be anger. It might be lust. Whatever it is that gets under your skin the easiest, Satan will present it right in front of you. And if you're not careful, you'll be just another common person that's eat up with the things of this life and the flesh of this life. And before you know it, there's nothing peculiar about you at all. You've just become a, one more person that's angry and bitter and upset. We need to be uncommon. We need to be peculiar. We need to be devout. All right. Cornelius was devout. I don't know if we'll get out of this second verse or not. One that feared God with all his house. You know what the Bible says about fearing God? Fear of the Lord is the beginning. Just, just the start. You just started if you fear the Lord. <laughs> You just started. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
you just started to understand if you fear the Lord. We're living in a day today where people don't fear God anymore. Or they'll just do what I want to do. I'll be who I want to be. I'll broadcast my sin openly for all the world to see and I'll not be ashamed of it. You better fear the Lord. Oh, let me tell you something. Within the lids of that book right there, it calls sin, sin. And I love you. I want to see you prosper and do well in life. But I can't. I can't give you a blessing if God has called your the way you live a sin. It's sin and, and uh, the wages of sin are death. That's what the Bible says. I can't do a thing without that. And, and, and Cornelius was a man he wasn't even in, invited to come inside the doors of the tabernacle but he knew enough to fear God because he knew what God could do. I believe the scripture says, you believe the King James Version Bible, it says this in him we live and move and have our very being. In him we live folks if it were not for his will your heart would stop right now if it were not for his will you'd not draw another breath if it were not for him we'd never be able to make it off the pew if it were not for him we'd have never existed but I'm telling you something today we need to fear God because he's not only able to destroy the body but to cast the soul into hell Cordelius feared God. He was devout. Whatever he was on Sunday, he was on Tuesday. I've seen and I've heard people talk of other folks, church going folks. There'd be one thing on the altar, be another thing on the job. If I'm a Christian on the altar, I'm a Christian over 201 West Dumpton Valley Road, Jefferson City. That's my job. That's where I work. Things don't always go the way I want them to, Chuck. But I've got to be a Christian anyway. i got to love people anyway. I've got to swallow my pride, bite my tongue, and love people anyway. To be devout. To fear God. If I had no fear of God in me, Marty, I would have said the first thing that entered my mind when I get angry. If I had no fear about me, I would seek retribution to the, to, from mine enemies. If I had no fear about me, I'd just live any way I wanted to and never think twice about God. But you better realize it's in Him we live and move and have our very being. He's the one that shaped us, molded us, and made us. He's the one that makes your heart beat. He's the one that graced you with another day. He's the one that caused your eyelids to open. He's the one that gave you the food that you, you consumed this morning. He's the one that gave you the bed and the roof over your head. He's the one that gave you the family you live with and love. We should worship and praise Him and fear what He can do to us whenever we go cross from what He would have us to do with our lives. All right. Cornelius was a devout man who feared the Lord. He was an uncommon man. <laughs> we don't read about many Gentiles in the Bible, do we? But we read about Cornelius, which gave much alms to the people. 
Have you ever heard this verse? It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I'm going to preach you something right here, and I've preached it before. I don't count Gary and his wife visitors anymore. They've done been here too many times. They're just one of us. So I'm going to preach the Dutch Bottoms for just a minute. I wouldn't expect Marty Costner to pay the electric bill at 3020 Oliver Street. That is not his address. He doesn't live there. I do. I wouldn't expect John Holt to pay the water and the sewer bill for 3020 Oliver Street. That is not his address. He does not live there. He doesn't consume the water. I do. That's my house. That's my home. I have to pay the bills. Now, I've said that. I'm going to say this. Do you consider Dutch Bottoms your home? Is this yours? Is this where you live? Is this your church? Well, Marty's the deacon, John's the deacon. Let me tell you something. If your name is on the roll, it's your church. If you come here and you worship here and you feel God's presence here and you feel like this is your home, this is your church. And so when it comes to paying the bills at my house, I have to put the money in to pay them. I'm telling you something. I'm going to preach you this right here. If this is your church, you need to support it. You need to support it with dollars. You need to support it with your presence. You need to support it with your spirit. You need to support it with your prayers. I know the numbers now. I know we got a lot of sickness, but we're blessed at Dutch Bottoms. And we need to support it 100%. Put your arms in and see if God won't bless you. Cornelius was a devout man. He feared God. He gave alms to the people. He was uncommon. And he prayed to God always. Did you catch that? He prayed to God always. I believe it's Galatians chapter 6. Pray without ceasing and in all things giving thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's what God wants us to do is pray. My dad had a little stay in the hospital this week. You all know he's got some dementia, sundowners, and I've seen him get plumb wild a few nights. But I stayed with him this week at night. I pulled that recliner over there and he was restless on Tuesday night. Moaning, just couldn't seem to settle down or anything. He'd move his hand the sensor on his oxygen would go off. He finally laid his hand down. And I just reached over and got his hand. That's all he needed. He just calmed right down. Drifted right off, Chester. People need to know we're there for them. And they're a time of trouble. I said that, let me say this. Well, pray, preacher. I don't have time to pray. 
You had time when you were on your way to hell, didn't you? When you thought sure you was going to bust hell wide open, you couldn't get to your knees fast enough. When you thought sure that hell was a hot place and you were going to go there, you cried, didn't you? You begged. You pleaded. You asked the Lord to save you. I'm here to tell you today, when you got saved, you became an uncommon Christian. You became a person that was peculiar. You're part of a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. You belong to the King of Kings. You have a heavenly Father, and praying is no more than sitting down and talking to your dad for just a few minutes and plead your petition to him. He wants to hear from you. He'd like to sit down with you for just a little while and hear from his child because he loves you and he wants to help you along life's way. Cornelius prayed always. You ever looked up and said, how'd I get here? What on earth did I do? to land myself in this position in life. How did I get in this much trouble? The farther away you get from the altar, the farther away you get from the Father, the harder life gets. Just ask the prodigal. Just ask him. He found no one cared for him when he had spent all he had. Nobody cared for him. So he sought the only place that somebody, he knew somebody loved him, and that was the Father's house. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you. Amen. He gave his only, as John made mention of it here earlier, he gave his only begotten son for you so that you wouldn't have to burn, so that you could be redeemed, so that you could have a home in heaven when this life is over, so that you could have peace in your heart, so you'd know what real love was all about. God gave his son just for you. So he wants to talk to you. He wants to see how you're doing. I got a son that lives in Phoenix, Arizona at Luke Air Force Base. He called me today, Chester, and he said, Dad, I've got this problem or that problem. You know what? Short of sending him some money or getting on an airplane to go and see him, there's not much I could do. That don't mean I don't want to hear from him. That don't mean I don't want to hear how he's doing. But you know what? I've got a father. He said, heaven, I'm on earth. But he can still reach down his hand and calm my problems and put the pieces of my heart back together. He can still speak peace and everything will be all right. I may not be able to do anything for my natural boys that are hundreds of miles away, but I've got a father that can speak peace no matter where you're at along life's way, no matter what's going on with you, when the world is raging around you and it looks like you're surrounded on all sides and don't see any light of day anywhere, call on the Father, let him speak peace and everything will be 
okay. All right. Cornelius was a devout man. He feared the Lord. He gave alms to the people that he prayed always. That's an uncommon person, ain't it? I've even found myself short into preaching this morning. I couldn't say I've always been like Cornelius. Have you? Cornelius, we could say, is an uncommon man. Now, you all know this story. The angel spoke to Cornelius, and he sent three men down to see Peter. And while those three men were traveling that way, Peter fell in a trance and saw a vision. Had had the sheet come down that was knitted on the four corners, had all kinds of manners of four-footed beasts. And the Lord told Peter, Arise, kill and eat. And Peter said, I and my lips have never touched anything that's common or unclean. And I like this part right here. This is what the, this is what the Lord told Peter. He said, The voice spoke unto him again a second time, What God hath cleansed, call that not common or unclean. Oh, I'm telling you today, you're special in God's eyes. He cleansed you. He washed away your sins. I've met men that had dreadful past. I've met men that had past where they were in jail, where their name was in the paper for heinous things, where they had done many false and misdeeds that they were ashamed to see the light of day. But I know a God that can wash them in the blood of Jesus. I've got a Savior that can wash away all sin and can make you clean. You may have been in the world head over. Your head went way, way deep. Thought you'd never get out. But I'm telling you, (coughs) I'm telling you, there's a God that loves you. And you don't have to stay there. He can wash away your sins and make you clean so that you're no longer a common man. You're uncommon. You're an uncommon Christian. We all know what happened. Peter went with the men and followed them down. Here's something else that made Cornelius uncommon. You know what Cornelius did? He said, brother, we got a preacher coming. Would you come down to my house? You need to hear what he's got to say. He said, neighbor, we got a preacher coming down to my house. Would you come down and hear? You need to hear what he's got to say. He gathered all his, he said, friend, would you come down to my house? We got a preacher coming to my house. You need to hear what he's got to say. Cornelius gathered all his friends and his family in because he wanted them to hear the gospel. That's what an uncommon Christian does. A common man doesn't care whether you live or die. A common man doesn't care whether you go to heaven or whether you go to hell. But an uncommon Christian has a burning desire down in their heart to see their lost ones and their acquaintances saved by the grace of God. And I'm going to preach this furthermore if you're a member at Dutch Bottoms you're under covenant to seek the salvation of your kindred and acquaintances we're not called to be common it's a common salvation we all have but we're to be uncommon 
Christians loving our people and seeing to it that they know who Jesus is before they leave this world. An uncommon Christian. Peter preached. Peter came in. Here's something else an uncommon Christian does. You know what happened to Cornelius when Peter came in? He bowed down. He referenced Peter. He did what the King James Version Bible teaches us to do. Cornelius esteemed his brother higher than himself. Well, I just don't get it. So-and-so does this, so why don't I do this, and why don't I do that? If the Lord allows them to do it, and he blesses them in doing it, thank God for them. We need to lift our brother up higher than ourself. If the power of God falls and Jennifer shouts and runs the aisle, and I can't feel a thing, I ought to say, thank you, Lord, for blessing Jennifer. Oh, if the service goes well, I look and I see tears rolling down Chuck's face and he's being blessed. I can't feel a thing. I ought to say, thank you, Lord, for Chuck. Bless him, Lord, bless him. Help him, Lord. We need to esteem our brother and hire than ourselves. I'm going to say this. You know what? Let me just give you a good example of that. And I'm just going to preach right here on my knees for a minute or two, if that's all right. You remember John the Baptist. Some of them even thought that he might have been the Savior. But he said, the one that cometh after me, whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloosen, he's the one. And in one place, this is our example I wanted to leave you with of esteeming your brother higher than yourself. He talked about Christ. He said, he must increase, but I must decrease. What I have to say about the matter, what I think, what I think ought to happen or what ought to be done does not matter. It's all about Jesus. And we need to lift his name up and be devout, uncommon Christians every day. John asked this question earlier in the service. He asked you to raise your hand if you knew a sinner. I'm going to say this. I was raised in church. I saw my dad get up and lead singing. They'd have special singing, and John and, da- John and dad and mom and Frida would get up and sing. And all we heard was about the goodness of people. I wanted what they had. Went around the corner that Sunday night, Chester, and looked up at Jack Strange, J.P. Blazer, Tom Ball, old man Artie Chapman that lived in the curve out here at Rankin. They had big tears rolling down their faces. Their countenance was different, completely different to what I normally saw. I wanted what they had. You know why I wanted that? They were uncommon Christians. They had something that was different. 
They had something that I didn't have. I wanted what they had. If we're going to get our people saved, and you raised your hand just a minute ago, and you said, yes, I've got a sinner I'd like to see saved, the only way to get them from their seat to this altar is for you to be uncommon. The only way to get them convinced that they need what you have is they need to see a radical and essential difference between the righteous and the wicked. They need to see you praising the Lord. They need to see you with peace and happiness in your heart. Who would want what I have if I held my head down all the time? If I was always miserable, griping and complaining and never was happy and satisfied, why would you want what I had? If it made me miserable, why would you want any of it? We need to be uncommon. I guess I've told this before, and I'll, I'll hush here in just a second. My dad used to work on TVs years and years ago, and some of you youngins aren't old enough to remember this. Instead of TVs being this thick, they used to be this thick. And they used to have tubes in them. And they used to weigh 400 pounds. That's when my dad worked on them. And there's an electronics place out in Morristown, Cumberland. And he would go in there and he'd buy his tubes and his transistors and you name it. Every time he'd go in there, there was a young man. He was tall and he was thin. But every time he'd go in there, that young man would be behind the counter and he'd have the biggest smile on his face. And one day Dad, one day Dad asked him, he said, why are you always smiling? And this was his reply, because I've got something worth smiling about. About you. Are you uncommon enough that you've got something worth smiling about? Are you uncommon enough that you've got something that brings peace to your heart when trouble surrounds you? Are you uncommon enough that sinners would see what you have and want it? Cornelius was uncommon. If we're going to see our sinners saved, we can't be like the world. Come ye out from among the world and be ye a separate people. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. Cornelius was uncommon. Didn't mean he wasn't liked. But he believed what he believed. He didn't argue about it. He didn't make enemies. He just believed what he believed and served the God that he served. And lifted up his name and was good to everybody. He was uncommon. That's what we need to be. Uncommon. Now, I'll preach to you. If the Lord longs, the Lord give it to me. If we have service on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and the Lord gives me a message to preach, I'll do my best to preach it to you. But you know what? Some of you have sinners that have never darkened the door of this church since I've been your pastor. My messages, if they reach those sinners, are going to travel right through you and right down to those sinners' faces when you say, I love you, I'm praying for you. When you see them in need, nothing makes a sinner think twice like seeing one in need 
and helping them in their time of trouble. Folks, it's time we were uncommon. I know, and I will say this, then I'll close. I know we're living in a time where the world wants us to be more like them. It wants us to hang their banners. It wants us to worship their heroes. And we got celebrities. And I made mention of one of them the other day. We got celebrities that want to, want to be seen worshiping the Lord. I hope that they've got the real thing. I truly, truly do. But I'll take the road I know. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Let's do some exhorting. I've known Marty Coster and Juanita ever since I was a little bitty boy. They're not millionaires. I believe Marty would, would agree to that. But ever since I've known them, they've been a part of Dutch Bottoms Church. Through the good, through the bad, through the good, through the bad, uphills, on top of the mountain, shout victory down in the valley when it was low. I'll stick with what I know. How about that? I'll stick with the men of God that are preached for years and years and years that Jesus is the only way and they stayed with what they started with. I'll stick with folks that have known for years that had peace in their heart for years. I've seen people rise up. And, and the Bible talks about novices when it talks about the qualification of a preacher. Now, I've seen people rise up. They was all full of gust, uh, gusto and ready to go. And into the next week, the next month, the next year, back to the same butthole they were in before. I want to have what those folks have that have peace and love and joy every day for years and years and years till they're dying breath. We need to be uncommon. The world wants us to use their music to move to their beat. I'll stick with amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I'll take, I've got so much to thank him for. Becky's standing over and big tears rolling down her face. I'll just take that. That suits me just fine. Young people, I know you have so much pressure on you to try to fit in. And it's okay to be friends with people that aren't like you. But when it comes right down to right and wrong, you stay with what this church has taught you. When it comes right down to church, you take the spirit over anything. And I don't care what the name of the building is over the top of the door. You stay with the Spirit. If it says Baptist Church and there's no power in it, you better leave it alone and stay with the Spirit. We had a service here 
a few months ago, I didn't preach. We just had a testimony service. And our youngins, this one talked. That one back there talked. And this one right here talked. Big tears rolling down their face. If that's not welcome at the place that they call church, you find you another one. Because that's God. And you better recognize it. And you better hold on to it because it's special. Lynn, it's not welcomed in some of our places anymore. But I want to hold on to the real thing. I want to be devout. I want to be uncommon. I want people to see Jesus in my life because our sinners are closer to hell every day. You ever think what might have happened to us? Now listen. This is just a little Bible story, ain't it? Did you ever think what might have happened to us had Cornelius not been obedient? Had Cornelius not been devout? If Cornelius had not feared God, we might not be sitting in here. This was the first time the Gentiles had been considered equal with the Jews. If Cornelius had not been devout, if he had not feared God, if he had not prayed always, if he had not given alms, if he had not been uncommon, you might not have received salvation. Now, I believe the, the Word of God. And I believe the Scripture where it talked about, where <coughs> Esther's uncle talked to her. And he said, if you'll not stand up, the Lord will bring deliverance some other way. The Lord would have found a way. But we know who Cornelius is today because he was uncommon. What's history going to say about you? When they lay you out here, and if time stands, they will. They will me too. When they lay you out here, what are folks going to say about you? Are they going to say, well, you were popular? Or everybody knew them. Are they going to say, well, that was a good man right there. They had a lot of money. Well, they had a fancy home or a nice car. Are they going to say you were uncommon? Are they going to say you were a witness? Are they going to say you stood for what was right? Are they going to say you... Talk to them about Jesus and want to see them saved. What's history going to say about you? We say we believe the King James Version Bible, don't we? It says God is no respecter of persons. What did God do for Cornelius? Cornelius' alms and his prayers had come up for a memorial, right? If God is no respecter of persons, He's listening for yours. He'll bring yours up for memorial if you'll live an uncommon life. If you'll live a life that puts him first, always, that's hard to do, ain't it? But it's not if you love him. You'll find it a lot easier just to live for God. When you go to this common stuff and everything's the same, and you want to be just like everybody else, it's harder to live a Christian life because God won't bless you like he would. Cornelius was an uncommon Christian. 
He wasn't like everybody else. He wasn't a Jew. He couldn't be seen when the tabernacle opened among the congregation because he wasn't allowed to enter in. It was against the law. But he loved the Lord. What are you going to be? Are you going to be uncommon? Or are you going to be like every other man? Just care about myself and nobody else. It bothers us, don't it? When people don't have always the best words to say about us, whenever they're unkind, maybe even a lie. But we've got to be uncommon. You know what an uncommon man does? Loves his enemies. He loves his family. He loves his friends. He loves his acquaintance. He loves his enemies. Let's be uncommon. Let's see if us being uncommon can't win some soul for the Lord. So that's the message. Does somebody have a word, testimony, something on your heart, something you want to say or do? Appreciate everybody coming out. These folks that are sick, they need some encouragement. You call them. If you don't do anything else, commit to making one phone call to say, hey, we miss you at church. And if you call one, you call one, you call one, you call one. We'll be able to reach out and touch everybody that's, that's missing today and let them know we cared about them, we're praying for them, and we love them. All hearts and minds clear.